This is Beyond the Bookshelf podcast from the Columbus Junction Public Library. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we... We're hungry. (laughs) We are hungry because we are talking about food in books. Because what is better than books but delectable descriptions of food that just makes you want to hop in the kitchen and cook, right? This episode made me so hangry. I had to eat lunch like an hour early. (laughs) It's true. Both of us have eaten nonstop all day today and are completely not satisfied with our choices. It's so stinking cold. I just want warm food and all of my stuff is warm and I'm so mad. But you want warm food. I know, but it's not helping me. Like, if it was cold food, then maybe I'd be indifferent to it. (laughs) I love it. Um, So we've each picked three books. Yes. That we love something about something within the book that has to do with food. So, mostly because this episode is coming out probably right before my favorite holiday that involves nothing but food. Because in my world... Yes. Are you happy? Eat. Are you sad? Eat. Are we celebrating something? Eat. Are we mourning something? Eat. Are you getting the picture here? Is there a theme going on? I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. You're seeing my theme. Also, my sweatshirt. Now I realize I have gone full potato. (laughs) My sweatshirt's literally the color of a potato. You're literally wearing a lovely cream sweatshirt. I am a lumpy potato. If anything, it makes me think of tea. Oh, well, Like creamer and stuff. Well, that's delightful. Also, I'm very cold. Okay, fair enough. See, I look at my sweatshirt and I think, oh, she looks like lumpy mashed potatoes. It, it really does look like tea that's like okay. very cream filled. It, it does. This is the most random intro into the podcast ever. This is why we don't eat lunch before we do the podcast. This is why we don't eat lunch. We're not supposed to eat lunch. We don't. But I was I hangry. <laughs> She was real hangry, yo. She was cursing me. It was. I, I'm. I'm a little worried that maybe I've been hexed. Nah. <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. Yeah. So this is quite possibly my favorite. My favorite food-related scene in any book ever. Legit ever. Because if I were to ever be dating again, this is how I hope someone woos me. <laughs> I want to point out that you're like, if I ever date again, which, okay, what's happening to your husband, but goodbye, I guess. And you also want to point out, you want to be wooed. You don't want to date, you want to be wooed. I want to be wooed with food. (laughs) That's awful. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this scene is from Marrying Winterborn by Lisa Klepus. And if you know, you know, but Reese Winterborn is, I would say if he ever hopped out of the book in into my like for real life i would be like peace out sayonara i'm done going with this dude <laughs> that that's that's yeah anyway um so i can't tell if you want to be with him or you're just gonna follow him around like a groupie in his life i would be okay with whatever option he gave me <laughs> i totally 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 respect what he has going on with helen i see but i'm just saying So I have this lovely quote, and so I'm going to read it to you because I can't describe this any better than it's already said. So this is um, Helen's cousin, West, who's talking. I always thought I didn't like courtship, West said, sorting through the hamper from Winterborns. But it turns out I was merely on the wrong side of it. Courtship is one of those activities in which it's better to receive than give. Smiling, West placed, placed... 
a flat blue satin box in her lap. How could I ever be satisfied with only one suite from the entire box? Helen lifted the lid, her eyes widening as she discovered a treasure trove of caramels, jelly creams, candied fruit, toffees and marshmallow drops all wrapped in twists of waxed paper. Her wandering gaze traveled to the nearby mountain of accumulating delicacies, a smoked Wiltshire ham and collar bacon, a box of dry cured salmon, pots of imported Danish butter, tinned sweetbreads, and a fat a sack of fat glossed dates. There was a basket of hothouse fruits, wheels of brie and papery white rinds, cunning little cheeses wrapped in netting, jars of rich fig paste, pickled quail eggs, bottles of jewel-colored fruit liqueur meant to be sipped from tiny glasses, and a gold-colored tin of cocoa essence. What can Mr. Winterborn be thinking, she asked with a flustered laugh. He sent enough food for an army. Obviously, he's courting the entire family, West told her. I can't speak for everyone else, but I, for one, feel properly wooed. (laughs) And that is what I want. I want you to send me all of the foods at the same time and then not say a word about what I eat. That's what I want. I completely, I agree. I stand. I'm here for it. (laughs) Okay, so I did happen to see a TikTok like a couple days ago and it was like a duet and it was a guy asking like, women, why don't you like just tell us what you want to eat for supper? And this lady pops on and she's like, we want it all. I want the tacos and I want the mashed potatoes and I want the fried chicken. But like I want a sandwich and I want bread and I want desserts and I want all of this and I want it all right now. And I just want you to bring it to me and leave it. No judgment. And that's what that mountain was. And that's what that was. So that is what I want. It's the most beautiful description. And it's not the only time he does this. And it goes on for like Helen's pregnant sister-in-law to be talking about these candied almonds and her husband's like giving her a glass of water, like kind of like slow down, babe, like you're pregnant. And she's like, you need to back off. This is what I didn't know I wanted right now. And that is the kind of energy that I want in life. I want you to bring me all of the food, everything, Mm. and then just leave me alone. Yeah, I'm here for it. This is what I want. Also, Reese Winterborn and Wintergreen is always going to go together for me. And I just get these warm, nice, fuzzy feelings inside when I hear or and or smell Wintergreen. So, you know, Christmas yeah. is always good for me. Good. Well, he also, as a, didn't he say as a kid, like he always wanted the like peppermint candies? So like he always smells like peppermint. So it's not just like that his always name is like Winterborn. Like, yes. It's that he actually smells like peppermint, like Wintergreen as Correct, well. Correct. Because now that he's made it, he can buy himself all the Wintergreen peppermint that he wants oh amazing that's grow up own the company that makes your favorite candy that's that's what i'm hearing okay but how do i own all of the candy companies i don't (laughs) understand uh i can't help you on that one you gotta maybe talk to hershey hershey mars i don't know (laughs) did you say hershey Did. Hershey. I was trying not to smirk through my whole joke. Like, it just made an accent. Also, okay, for those of you who have also been ruined recently, my boyfriend and I, we uh, <laughs> watched The Many Saints of Newark. So I, we, I just have been trying to learn like this really bad Italian Jersey accent. So all of my words are just wrong right now. And poor Paul is just sitting here while I'm like, you talk to your mother like that? And it's very bad and it's not getting better. 
<laughs> talk to your mother with that kind of mouth. Yeah, okay, see? Yeah, if you're it, welcome. It is so hard not to just, like, when you hear somebody do it, to try. Oh, for sure. Okay, anyway, we're not talking about accents today. We're talking about food. We are talking about food. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Because food is our favorite. Next oh. two books. Yes, yes. Books and food. Oh. Done. Can I just, like, make books food and then, like, the circle. The Venn so- diagram, and so that they're almost like completely overlapping. No, 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 no. The whole circle surrounding both of them is just warm. Not hot, not cool, just warm. Okay, but I, okay, I support this. Yeah. Under the caveat of I don't want to be warm, I want to be cool and then made warm by a blanket. Yes, yes. Okay. So it is, it is the proper, like, warm sunshine, like, blanket warm, but not like hot. Yes. Just warm. I support this. Okay. You may continue. All right. All right. So my first one, so I also want to leave Lisa Klepas because this is one that I have always wanted to try. And this is probably my oldest food related thing that I'm like obsessed with. I still have yet to try it. So I'm really sad about it, but it is what it is. So it's actually called a Cornish pastry. On one side is like meat and sage. And then on the other side is like a fruit. And like, it sounds so delicious. And it's a whole meal. Originally, it was made so then miners or whatever could take it down. So there'd be the crust on the outside outside so then they could like eat all of their stuff and then that way they wouldn't be like eating what was directly on their hands so they could hold like the crust kind of thing um because you know there's like a bunch of toxic chemicals and minerals on their fingies so they're just like eh, probably don't want to eat that but their wives used to carve their initials in their little cornish pastry so then that way if they ate half of it they could put the fruit side down or whatever and then they'd be like okay i'm gonna come back to you later but then their names were on it so their friend couldn't say like oh that's mine like Mm-mm, my name's on here this one's mine anyway i'm gonna read you the quote poppy had set out a feast of hot tea boiled eggs oxford sausages and massive patties thick flaky crusts wrapped around fillings these are a stony cross specialty poppy said gesturing to a plate bearing two hefty baked loaves one side is filled with meat and sage and the other is filled with fruit it's an entire meal you start with the savory end and her well she just goes on to talk about how hot her husband is but he's cute uh by the way this is a married couple who just ran away to to, to the country together to be like i just don't want to deal with the hotel business right now actually he made her mad so she ran away and he chased after and she's like look we're here we're on vacation yay so he's like okay cool we're on vacation yay so highly recommend this is actually my favorite of the hathaway series but i've talked about the hathaway series several times so i'm not gonna get too deep into it but yeah no so that's the one i wanted to do is a cornish pastry because it sounds warm and savory and good what's up mandy devil in disguise by lisa klepas they talk about being down on the docks and going to this one particular bakery and it's a female run bakery but like there's always this line for these meat pasties and these fruit pasties and like throughout the entire book people on the wharf on the docks are getting these whiffs of like this amazingly beautiful bread and i'm just here for that i am here for perpetually smelling bread. Okay, first of all, yes. Second of all, I'm so upset that I forgot because I remember us talking about this now. This was the one you told me to write down. Right, it was because I'm like, I was remembering that it was going to come out like October, November or whatever. So then I'm just like, oh, thinking of like Sweeney Todd. And I'm like, oh, London Bakery. This totally like connects. Also, the descriptions of whiskey in that book and whiskey distilling and how to create a product that is smooth and beautiful at the end. Bread and whiskey. I'm sorry. I don't know how this was not the perfect book for me. It clearly was. My next book yes. is a book that I have not completely read yet. Yet. Okay. Yet. It is 
With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. So I'm going to give you just kind of the little book blurb. Ever since she got pregnant freshman year, Imani Santiago's life has been about making the tough decisions, doing what has to be done for her daughter and her abuela. The one place she can let it all go is in the kitchen, where she adds a little something magical to everything she cooks, turning her food into straight up goodness. Even though she dreams of working as a chef after she graduates, Imani knows that it's not worth her time to pursue the impossible. Yet despite the rules she thinks she has to play by, once Imani starts cooking, her only choice is to let her talent break free. I adored, I've, I've read about 50 to 100 pages of this book. The descriptions of her in the kitchen are like following around your grandma. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I, but I want to know how to make this. And she's like, you got to measure that with your heart. You got to do it till it looks right. You have to do it till it tastes right. And like just that level of I'm so comfortable in this kitchen and I totally know exactly what to do and I just throw it all together. And it also talks a lot about, I mean, she's a single mom um, who's still in high school her grandmother is taking care of her. She's trying to help take care of their, her grandmother. So it talks a lot about like all we have in the house are these three ingredients. So I've been thinking about this all day and here's what I'm going to do to spice this up, to create a new dish, to whatever. And so much of food especially has always been from necessity. It's creating a new recipe because these are the things that you have at home. These are the things that you have on your homestead, all that kind of stuff. And it's just absolutely beautiful. It talks a ton about the process of how to do certain things. Like there was a lemon pudding that she was talking about and I was probably drooling by the end of it. It was just so good. The book is told in three different parts. So there is a recipe at the end of each of the three sections that kind of sums up that section. And I do love it because Elizabeth Acevedo in um, an interview that I read when I was looking at stuff for this book said that if she wasn't a writer, she would be a chef. And you can tell that there's that passion for cooking that is just there. And it's, it's something that she feels comfortable with. And it just leaps off the page. And you're like, I can do that. I probably couldn't. But like, (laughs) I think I could. And the idea that if I eat, you eat. Like, it doesn't matter how much I have. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I'm going to feed my people and we're going to be okay. And I I love that coming off of the page, too. I love that idea that, like, if I have food here, it doesn't matter, like, anything. Like, you're going to be eating with me. Because if you're in my house, I'm responsible for you. You're having this meal kind of thing. I love that idea. Um, But I... It's, it's one of those things that, like, I always feel uncomfortable when people are like, I'm having dinner, eat my food. And I'm just like, okay. But then, like, abstractly, I'm like, oh, that's such a wonderful thing. I love that. People are so welcoming. All of this. And then I'm just like, oh, I feel so uncomfortable. Please stop offering me your food. Yes. And again, it come, uh, for me, it comes from a long line of, oh, oh, are you hungry? Oh, you're not hungry? Okay, I'll just get you a snack then. Like, yeah. Like, this, um, if I don't, if I ever don't offer you food when there's food available, then you should take that as you're not one of my people. (laughs) I love that. I don't want to out myself like that. But, like, for the most part, I'm going to always make sure that there's food. 
So the one that I forgot that I wanted to mention that I didn't was Agnes and the Hitman by Jennifer Cruzy. So in this one, the main character, Agnes, is a food columnist, a cookbook writer, and just a general chef. Um, her first book, Mob Food, was because her best friend in college, who she, she used to go home with on like, family vacations and stuff like that, because her family was in the Peace Corps, was of course a mob boss. And so she met this guy and she started making like mob food. And she's like, oh, fun. So she met this guy who was perfect. They bought a house in the South and they're like, oh, everything's great. Wonderful. Okay, well, her best friend's kid is getting married and she's trying to make the wedding cake for it and then people start trying to break into her house and then something happens to her fiance and then another person tries to break into her house and then there's just a body so what's she supposed to do so of course the mob boss is like i know a guy let me call my nephew kind of thing well and of course the nephew happens to be a hitman and this is it just goes from there. Sparks fly, there's chocolate cake, there's raspberries, there's so much food. Pancakes like with almond butter. It's it's good. I highly recommend it. It's the funniest freaking book I've ever read. So as I was doing research, I came across this book a couple different times and I was like, Erin, I can't believe you're not doing this book for I... this particular podcast episode. Which is so funny because I have already given you my copy to read. I know. I know, it's at my house. I gotta get to it. You do, but you got to get, get to it. it. It's fine. Anyway, okay, so the book that I'm supposed to be talking about right now, Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors by Sonali Depp. Thank you. I, bu- I put down the pronunciations for everything, but did I put down the author's name? No, I didn't. I love this for me. I, I love that for you, too. That's beautiful, <laughs> actually. Her book is about a neurosurgeon who kind of falls in love with this cook. And the cook is like, okay, I'm just going to read the blurb. Because I think the blurb so is amazing. Right. Dr. Trisha is San Francisco's most acclaimed neurosurgeon. But that's not enough for the Regez, her family, because this is the first book in the series about the family. They were originally descended from royalty in India, but they have since moved to the United States. Her influential immigrant family, who is a chief power of making its own non-negotiable rules. Never trust an outsider, never do anything to jeopardize your brother's political aspirations, and never, ever defy your family. Trisha is guilty of breaking all three rules, but now she has a chance to redeem herself so long as she doesn't repeat old mistakes. Up-and-coming chef DJ Kane has known people like Trisha before, people who judge him by, uh, by his rough beginnings and place pedigree above character. He needs a ludicrous job that the regis offer, but he values his pride too much to indulge Trisha's arrogance, and then he discovers that she's not only a surgeon, or that she's the only surgeon who can save his sister's life. Anyway, so basically it's Pride and Prejudice um, set with an Indian like background of food, family, and culture. Um, It sounds amazing. And okay, so there were several foods that I looked into that got mentioned in this book. The one I settled on was kachori. So basically (laughs) it is a deep, a spicy deep fried snack originating from the uh, the Indian subcontinent. Kachori is supposed to have originated in the Hindi belt region of India. It is a round flattened ball of fine flour milled with a stuffing of baked mixture of yellow mandal, crushed gram flour, black pepper, red chili powder, salt, and other spices. So it's supposed to be like a little fried spicy snack. It sounds delicious. And in this book, they stuff it with like crab and they have like a sauce. It looks so good. I kept looking at pictures and just scrolling and like I clicked on it and I just clicked on images and it just I just kept scrolling and I'm like there's no, no information. No wonder you here. were hangry. I was so my mouth is watering. It looks so good. Holy cow, no wonder you were angry. That uh, does sound really good. It was it's a street food. Originally it was designed for um like people who were at like bazaars, like traders and people who were going to the bazaars to have something to eat really quickly while they were going around and shopping. So I love that. It looks really good and I definitely gonna try and get some sounds really good yeah and the book sounds really good too yeah i love that she has a couple different ones that are jane austen retellings but steeped in that indian american culture and food and family and stuff yeah yeah 
Okay, so my last one is somewhat of, I kind of feel like I'm cheating with this book because it is a nonfiction, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Simon Nosrat. And the reason that I picked this one is because it's not really a cookbook. I mean, it has recipes in it, but it talks more about the science of cooking. Anyway, I have a couple of quotes that I think sum this book up extremely well. Recipes lead us to believe that cooking is a linear process, while most good food results from a circular one. Like a spider web, touch one part and the entire thing will quiver. Yeah, I... It's such a different way of thinking about cooking. I love that though. I love the idea that every single like part that you touch, it's like, it's like an effect. Like it it, it addresses every single thing. It addresses absolutely everything. And like her descriptions of how and why to do certain things are like second to none. Like there's such an exuberance when you're reading this book for cooking and like how to choose the best options. Okay. I had no idea there were so many different kinds of stinking salt. And depending on what you need the dish to do is when you add your salt and how much of your salt that you need to add. Like the beautiful, big flaky crystals of salt are at the last possible second, like for a salted caramel dessert sort of thing. But yet when you're cooking your pasta, you're going to make your pasta water, I think she says it like, you want it to be as salty as the summer sea, which is a lot saltier than any of us think it should be. But the difference is just like super catastrophic, like 110,000% different. I really enjoyed like reading this because there were tons of really great tips to use no matter what type of cook that you are. Like, okay, so if you're going to bust open a jar of pasta sauce and you're going to make some pasta, just salting your water differently creates a different sort of taste that makes it seem like it's not store-bought marinara sauce on some noodles. You know what I mean? Like just different things to like elevate it. And when, and understanding those four elements and how they work together to create the best possible outcome. So this is my other favorite quote from the book. Get used to the way that salt falls from your hands. Experience the illicit thrill of using so much of something we've all been taught to fear. This hits my heart because I love salt, but my most of my family is on a low or no salt diet, so this really hits my heart. It hits, right? It's totally good. I also do, like, if you don't want to, like, invest in the book, because it's it's a thick, hardback book that has tons of really great recipes in it, but also she has a Netflix show that's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Okay, and she, like, goes around the world kind of, like, learning all sorts of different things, and this idea, too, that... Culinary school is great, but if you're passionate about cooking and you're passionate about food, like you can learn from everywhere, from everything. And like, you don't have to have that. You don't have to pay the money to go to culinary school. So yeah, it's really great. Also may have experimented a lot with homemade pasta last year. And I'm super excited that it's starting to get cold again because I feel like I can make pasta. (laughs) I love that for you. I don't love it for me, but it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited for you. Mm-hmm. So the next one I'm talking about is Arsenic and Adobo by Mia Mensala. So our main character is from a Filipino family and she moved back home after a really horrible breakup and she's been helping in her aunt's like failing restaurant, trying to do what she can to make sure that it doesn't. And her ex-boyfriend, who was a really nasty food critic, like especially to the restaurant that her family owned, ends up dead. And the cops are like, oh, 
oh, well, I mean, you know, you guys had a nasty breakup. He was nasty to your family. Clearly, it must be you guys who did it. So she has to use her family connections and her smarts and somehow her cooking smarts to figure out who really did the murder. So I believe this is the first in a series. I believe there's another one. Or at least, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this one. Uh, This author has written other things as well. That's what I will say. (laughs) This author has written other things besides this one book. There we go. Any hoodle. So the, like the quote that like caught my eye in typical Filipino fashion, my aunt expressed her love, not through the words of encouragement or affection or affectionate embraces, but through food. Food was how she communicated. Food was how she found her place in the world. So I identify with that quote greatly. Right? Like it, oh. Okay. 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 So see, so how do you, how do you feel about this? Because this to me, I just, I feel cold every time I read this because like, I know this dish specifically would warm me up in a way that like nothing I have in my home is going to do so. Okay. I'm ready for this. Okay. It is a popular Filipino dish and the cooking process in the Philippine uh, cuisine that involves meat, seafood or vegetables marinated in vinegar soy sauce garlic bay leaves and black peppercorn which is browned in oil and then simmered in the marinade oh oh, right no it sounds so delicious i know where in in iowa in the middle of rural iowa do i get filipino food i don't know i'm googling this though so don't worry about that um so this actually is indigenous to philippines however uh when the philippines like the spanish came to the philippines because they're like hey you know look at england they're doing things like colonies we can do colonies um the spanish were like cool we're gonna do that and they're like oh oh marinade you you call that adobo cool so like basically everything in spanish that's marinated is just called adobo so in the philippines is actually a specific type of marinade so they're actually like four different really popular marinades or dish like type of sauces that you use in filipino culture for cooking and adobo is one of them is this where i plug a to z world foods um i believe it is a database that the library has where if some of these recipes sound delightful to you uh you can look the recipes up and it will give you instructions on how they're made um food history all that kind of stuff so on our website www.columbusjct.lib.ia.us longest website ever under online resources click that and it will show you a to z world foods click into that username is cjpl and password is libra l-i-b-r-a you should be able to log in doing that you can create your own account from there once you're logged in under like the general library stuff and save recipes and i think i'm gonna go find some filipino food that sounds delightful right honestly for real Lots of these recipes are sounding pretty delightful today. Okay, so Aaron and I have been categorically, strongly, cognizantly working to not talk for forever and have hour-long episodes. So we decided we were going to do three books today, which has now morphed into four because we both remembered the ones that we had forgotten, which is fine. Um, But we decided we were going to throw in a little bit of excitement. We had one honorable mention that we're not really going to go much into, but here's mine. I... I'm so mad already. Let's (laughs) go. She's so mad at me. Okay. I think that the one thing that the Lord of the Rings books got correct was potatoes. And I will not be taking questions at this time. The one thing? The one thing. I said I'm not taking questions. The one thing is potatoes. I didn't put a question mark at that. There was just righteous indignation at the end of it. No (laughs) question mark. I don't know what you're talking about. I am not giving you questions. I am simply telling you, you are incorrect there was so there's a whole freaking language in lord of the rings that's cool but potatoes 
potatoes. Erin <laughs> is putting her head on the dice. What you're really telling me is, and I think I've mentioned this before, the one thing the Lord of the Rings got most correct and wonderful was Samwise Gamgee. Who is the one who loves potatoes? Who makes potatoes? Bam! Here we go again. Here we are. One, um, wanting love. And, and, and I have something to say about that. I have something to say about that. Yes. And Samwise Gamgee might be who Sam Hewen, who plays Jamie Fraser, is named after, and it all comes back to Outlander. No! I did it! No! I did it! I did it! I almost thought about using Outlander because there are two Outlander cookbooks now. But anyway, you're welcome. It all comes back to Outlander. I am in shock with how good I am. It's okay. You can say it. I can't close my mouth. (laughs) I'm so upset. Here you are attacking Lord of the Rings, and then to attack it, you're like, okay, maybe it's fine because Outlander connection. I just the one thing it does well is potatoes. It does so many things well. Okay, I'm not talking about this. I'm moving on. For everyone out there who loves Lord of the Rings, I tried to defend it, but Mandy's just being outlanderish. She's <laughs> outlandish. <laughs> Boy, yes. Yes, I am. All right, so what was your honorable mention? My honorable mention. I feel like it's not going to be as controversial as mine. It's really not. You should have okay. gone last, I guess. Um, I guess maybe I should have. Uh, oh, well, it's too late now. Um, but my honorable mention, Crooked Kingdom, it's the second book in the duology of the Six of Crows. And of course, that is connected to the trilogy Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo, which is on Netflix right now. Go watch that because they also have a little bit of a prequel for the Six of Crows. So it's really great. So in the whole series, there are several characters. One of the characters, Nina, uh, she likes to like joke and stuff like that with her friends, but she loves food. She is a Grisha. So basically they have powers that they they can take in magic from like their surroundings and manipulate it in specific ways. But to do so, they call it small science. But to do this small science, when they do that, they they consume like part of the, they use themselves. So they're hungry all the time. So like they have really voracious appetites. She loves waffles. She loves waffles because she's like, you can make them sweet. You can make them savory. You can eat them by themselves. You can eat them on the street. She loves them. And they're always like, all right, we're going to do this thing. And you know what? If we don't die, maybe we'll get waffles afterwards. And like, it's so funny. So what I'm hearing is that I'm a Grisha because I'm (laughs) always hungry. I just don't know what the small science is that I'm doing. You know what? We just got to figure out what your small science is. And honestly, if ever I needed motivation, it would be someone looking at me being like, hey, we can have waffles when we're done. (laughs) Right? Legit. Dare I say, you can even make waffles with potatoes. I mean, you can make bread with potatoes too. It's true. See, potatoes are life. I'm not even mad because I love potatoes. You know that scene in Forrest Gump where it's like, oh, shrimp, you can like- No, 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 potatoes, potatoes. That's what I'm saying. I always suggested like you could put potatoes there. And then I saw Lord of the Rings and I'm like, oh, they made this movie already. And like- (laughs) Anyway, I, I love potatoes. I just think there's a lot to love about Lord of the Rings. There is a whole universe that was created, a whole language, many hot men, like- I, I feel like there's more than just potatoes. So in Outlander, um, when potatoes, Jamie- <laughs> boil them, natural, put them in a stew. So in Outlander, yes, you know, Claire's a time traveler. Jamie finally realizes that they know that Culloden is gonna happen, and Claire says to Jamie's sister. Or Jamie's sister says to Claire, who does not know that she's like a time traveler from the future, blah, 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 blah. She's like, you know, Jamie told me at some point, like, you might be telling me stuff. And 
like without really much explanation. Um, And so, and I'm just supposed to believe you. Like clearly, you know, because obviously she did. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting ready to leave Lallybrook and Jenny's like, okay, so is there anything you like want me to know? And Claire's like, yeah, plant potatoes. And it's the best, it's the best interaction ever. She's like, potatoes. Yes, She's like, I'll check the seed catalogs and see if we can send for them from Ireland, maybe? I don't know, question mark. And she's like, yes, plant potatoes. Because she knows there's a famine coming right. after right. So the she Jacobite knows- Rebellion gets squashed. And everyone's like um, wheat and hay fields and stuff like that, or wheat and barley, get demolished. And people that's how people are going hungry and they're starving and this whole thing. And she's like, just plant potatoes. So anytime people are like, can you give me any advice? I'm like, yeah, plant potatoes. And I internally know it. But no one else does, except for occasionally some people are like, hey, hey, because if you know, you know, if you know, you know, if you know, you know, so plant potatoes. I'm just going to use this for life. Like instead of just putting like all of my hopes and dreams above ground, I'm going to plant them deep, deep down where nobody can trample them. That's that seems like a Midwestern thing to say. That actually seems like probably the most logical piece of advice I've ever heard. But we digress. So <laughs> the whole episode's been a digression. The whole episode has been a digression. digression we are super about, excited. A digression about digestion. Oh, that's good. It is a digression about digestion. I, I I was trying to say it. I'm like, can I say this? Can I actually say this alliteration? Like, is that too cheesy? I don't know, but you just brought cheese into the conversation. <laughs> finger guns <laughs> anyway so um oh can i share my one last one the yeah. one that made me laugh out yeah. loud this whole episode has been so unstructured let's go for it, it has been unstructured so because sometimes i forget like the little details of books and stuff like if the plot's not around food like searching for it on the internet is not going to result in you finding the books that you're looking for so i went to reddit and i was like let's look for Books that have great food descriptions. And so I click on the one that has like 123 comments. And then I get to my personal favorite comment. And the poster said, Silence of the Lambs. And on that note, please tell us what books that you love that have food descriptions in them. Columbus Junction Library at gmail.com. Thanks. And we're going to see you next time. Bye. (laughs) On the Columbus Junction Public Libraries Beyond the Bookshelf podcast. Aaron's going to kill me, yo. It's so funny. I'm so upset. I didn't, You're so you, upset. This whole time, I didn't realize but you were I leading say, up to this joke. Fava beans? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to have some friends for dinner. See ya, bye! <laughs>